Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support of PNC and the Raskin Family Fund, with additional funding from Robert Conrad, Cleveland State University, the Chautauqua Institution, the Cleveland Clinic, and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated. Good afternoon and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland. I'm Adora Ezepoy, a sophomore at Campus International High School. It is my pleasure to introduce today's State of Liberty Forum featuring Felton Thomas Jr., Executive Director and CEO of the Cleveland Public Library. Last year I had the opportunity to read several novels, but the one that stood out to me was The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. It was a very monumental book for me as it shared the story of many people who often go unheard the Cleveland Public Library gave me the opportunity of a lifetime to meet the author with a special panel discussion and a private reading of her most recent novel. During her workshop, there was a seminar where multiple students discussed their take on the book. Cleveland Public Library has been the root cause of my love for literature. I remember going to the library after schools and, um, and on weekends to indulge in the many new pieces of literature that they have. The array of books did and still does fascinate me to this day. This year, the Cleveland Public Library celebrates 150 years of service to the city of Cleveland as a people's university. The library has come a long way from its humble beginnings in 1869, from a single room with fewer than 6,000 books to a main library campus with 27 branches, millions of books, and countless of other resources. How did we get here? What's in store for the next 150 years? Today, we'll find out. A native of Las Vegas, Mr. Thomas has had a passion for libraries since his youth. At age 13, he became the youngest employee in, La in Las Vegas Clout Kearney Library District history when a librarian noticed his enthusiasm and love for literature and encouraged him to become a page. 30 years later, he is the executive director and CEO of the Cleveland Public Library. For the last decade, he has positioned the library as a community deficit fighter and launched initiatives aimed at addressing community needs in the areas of technology, education, and economic development. Prior to arriving in Cleveland, Mr. Thomas served as Director of Regional Branch Services for the Las Vegas Clark County Library District in Las Vegas, Nevada, and the President of the Nevada Library Association. Mr. Thomas earned his undergraduate degree in psychology from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and his master's in, li in library science from the University of Hawaii. He is currently pursuing his PhD in managerial leadership in the information profession at, si at Simmons College. Ladies and gentlemen, members and friends of the City Club of Cleveland, please join me in welcoming Mr. Felton Thomas, Jr. Well, good afternoon, everyone. And I want to thank Adora for that warm introduction. Um, yeah, please give her a 
too often we hear about all of the negative stories about our young people, but very rarely do we hear such great stories or, or see our young people doing this and be able to uplift them. I want to thank Robin for giving Adora the opportunity to do the speech because we want to uplift our young people. And Adora is a great example of that. So Adora, if you could come here. If you can give that. That's, that's for your teacher and for your mom who's here with you. See, for all of you who haven't been in libraries in a long time, if you walk into the library, we just give you stuff <laughs> for free. I also want to uh, thank CEO Eric Gordon for being here as well and letting Adora come here on her, or, or get, her, get free from her day. Thank you, Eric, for letting Adora come here today. So the library and the Cleveland Metropolitan School District share a very interesting history. Um, something that many of you don't know except for the librarians in the back of the room. That's where we put you guys. Um, by Ohio law, Cleveland Public Library is a school district library. So our original name was the Public School Library from 1869 to 1883. We didn't officially change our names until, until then to the Cleveland Public Library. See, if you hang around with librarians, you learn something every day. <laughs> so Adora's story is a perfect example of what happens every day at the Cleveland Public Library. And our mission is to be the center of learning for a diverse and inclusive community. Her journey started with a book, as often many of our stories do, but expanded into a transformational experience. For Adora, it was Angie Thomas, The Hate You Give. The library and CMSD partnered to provide students like Adora access to learning experience that students don't often get a chance to have. Once again, it started with a book and a partnership between the library and Campus International. But as Adora's teacher, Charles Ellenbogen, said, it became a moment of unity for that learning community at the school. All of the ninth graders and their teachers received a free copy of Thomas's book in advance of the program. Campus International didn't just put out or pass out the books, the teachers incorporated the book into their curriculum. The classes read the book, discussed the book, and topics it raised. They talked about the music of Tupac and his influence. They wrote about the book and compared it to a walkout the middle schoolers organized around the shooting at Parkland. They shared the book with their family members. And the school invited the ACLU to come talk to the students about their impression of the book and about the importance of knowing their rights as students. Cleveland Public Library provided an opportunity for Adora's class to have a small um, group discussion with Angie Thomas before she joined the larger group. And in that, she found her transformational experience. As you can tell, Adora definitely read the book, not like my daughters, who, <laughs> who wrote the story from their, wrote their, their story from their, um, the movie. She engaged with her peers about institutionalized and systemic racism and she had a unique opportunity to speak directly with the author. We want to thank Adora for sharing her transformational story, as many of the people and the young people who were a part of that had that transformational experience through the eyes of Angie Thomas. So I am getting ahead of myself here, because that's what I do. Um, 
But this is the work we do, and I love that Adore is here to share with us firsthand how the Cleveland Public Library impacts people's lives. But first, a few thank yous and acknowledgments. I'm truly honored to be here at uh, the, the Cleveland Public Library having its first state of the library in 150 years. And to do that at the City Club just seems very fitting. I want to thank Robin Mentis Myers, the president of the City Club, for hosting us here. And I want to thank Dan Malthrop, executive director, for actually coming to see me speak. He only comes to see me speak when I speak at City Club. So <laughs> I don't know what that is about, but that's what it is. And to Stephanie, Maria, and all of the staff members who helped to make this day work, um, we appreciate all of the staff here at the City Club. We want to thank you, Mayor, for joining us today. Um, Mayor is um, always a stalwart supporter of the Cleveland Public Library. We want to thank um, also our honorary chair, who's not here today, the county executive, for being here. We want to thank the City Council President, Kevin Kelly, for being with us today. And uh, the other members of the City Council who are here and County Council, our elected officials, and all of you distinguished guests. Now I think I've got all of you. <laughs> I want to thank, to thank you to our partners, our library colleagues from our Cleveland libraries and other libraries, all in the back, squeezed together at that one table. Thank you, library folks. We love you. And our friends at Cuyahoga County Public Library. I know Sari's here with some of her staff. Thank you, Sari, and all your staff, wherever you guys are. There you go. Thank you for being with us today. <laughs> Finally, I want to thank our Cleveland Public Library board members that are here, past and present, all at the table over there. If you would please stand. All righty, so I have been in your seats many, uh, many times, and uh, I've only had the, the great opportunity to be up here a few times, but when I'm up here, I'm never alone, because I stand on the shoulders of the thousands of Cleveland Public Library staff members and the 13 library directors who came before me. I stand here today on behalf of the board of directors, our 750 staff, and our patrons who live and breathe the Cleveland Public Library every day. So to our staff who are here today, and many staff who are tuning in across our 27 branches in our two downtown buildings, I have just one thing to say to you. Get back to work. <laughs> no, just kidding. Seriously, though, no. I want to thank our staff, our patrons, our board, our partners, past and present. Together, we activate this beautiful thing we call the People's University. So I have a reference question. All right, this is always interesting. Who can tell me what's the tallest building in the city of Cleveland? All right, there you go. There's always one person who knows the, the old library joke. The oldest, the, always the tallest city is the library because we have the most stories. <laughs> All right, the mayor just looked at me like, okay. So, but I tell that joke as a precursor because the library is about stories, and I'm going to tell a lot of stories, transformational stories about people who have transformed our libraries, 
and stories about folks we've helped to transform. So with that, no more dumb old library jokes. <laughs> so the Cleveland Public Library story is a story of a valued community asset now and into the future. But more importantly, it's the story of the people, the people of the People's University, not the statistics. Because the statistics don't define the organization, they don't shape a city. And as the mayor has said so many times, it's the people who shape this great city we live in. So let's go back to our past. Let's talk about the beginnings. As Doris said, we began in 1869 in a small 80 by 20 space with 5,800 books on the third floor of the Northrop and Herenting Block on Superior Avenue. From these humble beginnings, we initiate a rich narrative of a progressive service-oriented library, a library committed to creating connections and to providing greater Clevelanders access, not just to the materials, programs, and services of the library, but connecting patrons with ideas, skills, knowledge, and culture. So let's talk about the great librarians of the past, including public library history. William Hardbrett, firmly believed to be the greatest library librarian in Cleveland Public Library history. I, I, I don't have a lot to say about that, but <laughs> one day, changes how people access books at the library when he opens the shelves to the public in 1890. He is the first head of a major library, public library, to do this. So beforehand, anytime anybody walked into a library, they would basically have to just bring the name of the title to a librarian. The librarian would then go and get the book because as librarians, we didn't trust patrons. We didn't trust you guys. But, <laughs> but William Howard Brett realized that our library was of the people and for the people. And so he started the process of having books in places where people could just walk straight up to them and get them. Brett also changes where patrons can access the library materials by creating a stations department in 1901. Stations that started in places such as department stores, fire stations, telephone offices. Patients in hospitals, inmates in institutions, and social agency staff are served by stations. Brett and then vice librarian Linda Eastman, who also is one of our great heroes of the library, who the Eastman Reading Garden is named after, extend where books can be found even further by starting these small reading collections in neighborhood homes convenient for those people who cannot get downtown or tour their branch. These are, like, are the precursors to the little free libraries these days, except for they were in people's homes. Kind of creepy. That <laughs> you just knock on the door and open the door and then there's a little library there and you just start getting all of that. But it was a different time. In 1918, the real need was citizenship classes for the tens of thousands of immigrants arriving in Cleveland. One branch report at that, one branch report at that time states that 76 percent of the children they are working with are foreign-born. At the St. Clair branch, 50 to 60 men meet each Friday evening for citizenship classes sponsored by the Board of Education. During this period, the Carnegie West branch has a strong program for Americanization classes taught by Helen Horvath. I want you to remember Helen's name because Horvath's class for immigrant mothers, primarily from Hungary, first met two afternoons and then three afternoons a week. What made Ms. Horvath's class unique is that she still wanted to break down barriers and create connections between her students, these Hungarian immigrants, and their American neighbors around Carnegie West who didn't want to have anything to do with these immigrants, right? So 
she recognized that her students could also be teachers while they had a lot more about the country to learn. And I think, you know, our friends at Global Cleveland can speak to this, and Mr. Simperman speaks about this all the time, that our libraries can have a great, um, have this great opportunity to open up the city to so many folks who feel like there's no place for them. Vincent Horvath invites the American neighbors to a special program where the Hungarian women exhibit their handiwork, such as embroidery, and in another program, the Hungarian women brought old country baking, including poppy seed rolls. And she continues to introduce their culture to the American culture, and eventually she bridges the gap between the, the communities. Again and again, Brett, Eastman, Horvath all found innovative and progressive ways to help greater Clevelanders of all cultures and nationalities access the contents of Greater Cleveland, uh, of the Cleveland Public Library and ensured that the library's contents would forever include other cultures. So let's move to today. All of these traditions and this groundwork that we've talked about, all of this framework about how we create bridges to communities is what we continue to do in the Cleveland Public Library today. How people access the contents of the Cleveland Public Library has changed because how people access information has changed. In addition to books, library card holders can access ebooks, e-magazines, online classes, databases, movies, music online, as well as attend live events, programs, exhibitions, our special collections, and classes. What people access continues to evolve with the needs and aspirations of every greater Clevelander. See, we know the statistics. We know how sometimes Cleveland is seen as this um, city that is challenged by our statistics. But we know the people of Cleveland, and we know the people of Cleveland transform lives every day. So while we know the statistics, what we do isn't about the statistics. We are here for the people, the people of the People's University. People like Adora are young people who are curious and passionate who have a curiosity to learn and question the world around her, or people like Tracy O'Neill. Tracy O'Neill is uh, a mother who was, came to our downtown library and went to our Tech Central, and she wanted to, to make t-shirts. She learned how to make t-shirts using our vinyl press, and then they, they showed her how to make, like, engraved glasses using her laser engraver. And then she also worked with our heat press. And as she started working with all of these tools, she started to think, you know, I could create a business doing this. And so Ms. Tracy O'Neill is now working on registering her business so that she can start her own t-shirt business. That's what we do at the Cleveland Public Library. From computer classes to robotics camps, creative writing workshops, GED prep, tutoring, passport services, book clubs, craft classes, story hours, comic making workshops, for you, Dan. Paper making and book binding classes, knitting circles and esports forums, and you know, on and on and on. Our dedicated staff and our 27 branches and two downtown buildings know and evolve with the people we serve. We work tirelessly with our partners to spark curiosity each and every day. For our youngest citizens who are just starting their journey to literacy, for our distinguished students who work tirelessly to master new skills and take on new experiences. For our adult strivers and lifelong learners who search, they search for a book, they search for a job, they search for answers, they search for inspiration. And just like that, all of a sudden, you find yourself being 150 years old, right? 
while we don't look a year past 100. <laughs> in this, our 150th year, we are taking a moment to celebrate with the greater Cleveland community, a community who so generously supported us through a tax levy that takes effect beginning this year. So in March, we are starting off with an exhibit. Now, we want to thank all of you who came three years ago to our Shakespeare exhibit and two years ago to our Superman exhibit and last year to our wonderful front exhibit. But this year, we're really excited to announce its World of Puppetry, a global um, exhibit that um, provides traditional and modern puppets from every corner of the world, including there will be puppets from local favorite uh, show Hickory Hideout and from Sesame Street. You'll have a certain green, very grouchy character that looks very similar to Dan Malthrop. <laughs> Just saying. You, you, you should come see me speak more, Dan. <laughs> so, in July, we're shutting down the streets for our CPL 150 Street Festival on July 27th with family-friendly fun for all ages, including stories, activities, and craft for kids, puppet shows, live music, and more. Many of our local branches throughout the city will be closed, and so we will be having shuttle buses that will go out to all our branches and bring folks downtown for this great day. Um, it, it, we're really excited about that. Very also excited about our first ever book ball gala being put on by our Cleveland Public Library Foundation on November 16th with local, regional, and national authors um, throughout the country who will be here for that. And then um, our, we'll announce on National Library Week our Writers and Readers series, who the authors will be for that. And like my staff told me, if I even mentioned one name, they would stab me. So <laughs> I will not do that, but it's going to be great. And then we, we end the, in January 2020 honoring 150 everyday Clevelanders who make a difference in their own neighborhoods, families, and libraries as part of our annual Dr. Martin Luther King Day commemoration. So if you are excited about finding out more about the programs we're going to have throughout the year, we have cards on our informational table. You'll be able to put your name in and we'll get a hold of you and we'll continue to, to haunt you with more emails and stuff that we do because that's what we do. But we cannot rest. We must look to our future and starting our course for the next 150 years. So let's talk about the future. The future is built on three things, places, programs, and people, right? We start by fulfilling on our promise we made to Clevelanders after passing the tax levy to support us to reimagine the spaces we have in each of our 27 branches. That means that we're going to make a major financial commitment to touch every one of our libraries. Now, we have been in the communities doing what we call our, our first phase of the process, our safe, warm, and dry, and touching all of our libraries. But we, aesthetically, will change the experience and the environment in every one of our branches. And we make that commitment with all of our council folks in the room, <laughs> knowing that we have a, made a commitment, and especially to the mayor, to make sure that Cleveland has some of the best libraries in the country, if not the best libraries in the country. 
Now, in our history, the Cleveland Public Library has only had three system-wide capital projects in its 150-year history, but this one will certainly reflect our mission, our values, and our strategic priorities. We are launching the Cleveland Public Library Foundation in the future to do the important work of helping the library do more in the community. While we have the generous support of our community, I don't need to tell anyone that the need always outweighs the available resources. The Cleveland Public Library Foundation, formerly the Friends of the Cleveland Public Library, believes that the Cleveland Public Library strengthens the community by providing free and equal access to information and technology, and that it's not only a world-class public research library, which some may not know that we are actually the third largest public research library in the country, but that it's vital to maintaining thriving neighborhoods and enhancing the region's quality of life. To the foundation and all the support you do, we want to thank you guys for all the efforts that you have, you do on supporting the Cleveland Public Library. We, as we talk about our programs, we're re-envisioning how we carry out our mission to best serve our community's evolving needs and aspirations to become the best 21st century library for the city of Cleveland. We will focus on doing on our three strategic priorities, leveling opportunity, fostering learning experiences, and facilitating discovery. So roughly nine years ago, because I believe I had been the director for about a year at that point in time, I was walking into our Addison branch, and I got stopped by a patron as I was coming in. He was a gentleman, and he had his um, three children with him. And he stopped and he said, you're the library director. And I said, yeah. And I didn't know what that meant at that point in time. So I was like, yes, I am. And he said, I just, I just need to, to tell you to, that you've really changed my life. And I said, well, could you explain a little bit more? And he says, about six months ago, my wife left me. She left me with our kids. And he said, um, you know, because of all of that, the things that came along with that, I lost my job. And so I'm here without a job, with these three kids, and the only thing I could think, a place that I could think to go was to go to the library. And so I started talking with the staff, and the staff started helping me with my resume and helping me fill out applications online. Pretty soon I had to go to actually, like, have interviews, and, and my kids are staying with the staff there at your library. And he goes, it's been a month since I got this great job I have. I'm still bringing my kids here every day. And you've really just, your people have changed my life. And then he just like put his arms around me and he was crying. And you know, it was from that day that I really understood how we level opportunity at the Cleveland Public Library and, and what our folks do. So, with the folks of United Way and you know, John and Corlad and all of the folks who, who understand the statistics and the challenges that we face in this city, we are dedicated to leveling opportunity. That's why we partner with the Greater Cleveland Food Bank. That's why we partner with the Legal Aid Society. That's why we partner with the county and Ohio Means Jobs, with the county public library to make sure that hundreds of people have access to libraries. That's why we're so happy of the efforts of Say Yes to Education have been approved. We can give that a big round of applause. You know, 
it's that, like, I keep hearing it said, but it's, it's for Adora. Adora shouldn't be thinking, how am I going to go to college? She just should be thinking, where am I going to college? And now she's going to be able to do that. And Diane Downing, who's now the executive director, I want to thank you for choosing the Cleveland Public Library as the venue for, for you to put your office at, right? <laughs> we believe the Say Yes and our staff working together, that it will be, uh, you know, unique synergies that we'll have together to work on how we better the young people in the city of Cleveland. So to really put our money where our mouth is to discriminate, uh, demonstrate our commitment to leveling opportunity, I am proud to announce today that last Thursday our Board of Trustees passed a resolution that approves Cleveland Public Library to go fine free. So we want to remove barriers, not block people from accessing the library. We want to connect people to knowledge and ideas, not stand in their way. Thank you to our Board of Trustees for helping make this important step for the community. We very much appreciate that. And that even includes you, Dan. <laughs> so this important step will help us do our everyday work of fostering learning experiences, sparking curiosity making connections and building skills every day for our greater Clevelanders. And lastly, we're focusing on facilitating discovery because people need to dream and see themselves in those dreams and know they are possible. We focus on facilitating discovery to introduce students and Clevelanders to authors like Angie Thomas, to new cultures, art forms, and experiences with partners like Tri-C, the Cleveland Museum of Art, Land Studio, and so many more. We inspire patrons with things that maybe they don't even understand we have, like the largest collection of material on chess in the world, like having 1.3 million photographs of the city of Cleveland, like having uh, the Ohio Library for the Blind and Physically Disabled that we serve the whole state of Ohio, right? Like having a collection of materials in different languages 50 different languages that we collect now and over 70 languages that we've collected in our history at our main library. These are the things that folks don't know, but they will know if I can do anything for it. From our start in 1869 to the work we do today and how we set our future, we embody a culture of inclusiveness that creates access and connections, not just to materials, programs, and services of Cleveland Public Library, but connects greater Clevelanders with ideas, skills, knowledge, and culture. As I conclude, I want to thank you for joining me today, for your patience and your attention. I really want to leave you with this. The Cleveland Public Library is the people's university, right? We aren't just any university. Just imagine a university that doesn't care about your GPA, a university that doesn't require a standardized test, that doesn't require letters of recommendation, and especially that doesn't charge tuition. I wish I could, my daughters could find this school. <laughs> this university is the Cleveland Public Library, the People's University. From our early learners and our students to our adults drivers and our lifelong learners, we provide learning experiences that limit no one and include everyone. We spark discovery, a new book, a new skill, a new perspective, a new opportunity. For the last 150 years, we have been 
and will always be, if you can help me, the People's University. Thank you very much. Robin Minter Smyers, President of the City Club's Board of Directors, and today we are listening to a forum with Belton Thomas Jr., Executive Director and CEO of the Cleveland Public Library. For those of you who are listening to us, we just had a standing ovation, and it preceded Felton Thomas's announcement that the Cleveland Public Library is going fine free. <laughs> We're about to begin the audience Q&A today. And we welcome questions from everyone, City Club members, guests, students, or those of you joining us via our live stream. If you'd like to tweet a question, please tweet it at the City Club, and our staff will try to work it into the program. Holding the microphones today are Director of Programming, Stephanie Jansky, and City Club intern, Emilio Orsania. May we have the first question, please? Uh, good afternoon. I want to thank you, Felton, for your wonderful work. Um, I really appreciated your presentation. Uh, you probably know I, I'm uh, on the State Board of Education, and one of the concerns that have been expressed to me by a number of my constituents is the closing of, of school libraries, not only in Cleveland, Cuyahoga County, but all over the country. And um, this is really devastating to a number of students. Uh, there's places where librarians are being replaced by teachers as if you don't need any special skills to be a librarian. And um, you know, I'm concerned along with many, many people. So I just want to get your thoughts on, on um, these funding cuts uh, to, to close libraries as if libraries are not important. Yeah, you know, one of the things that uh, has really hurt our school librarians is the fact that the other librarians have been so attacked for, in their funding whether public libraries or academic libraries, that no one's been able to rush to help the school librarians. So the school librarians have been kind of left on their own. And in many of the cities that they're, they're being cut from, the budgets are just being, you know, just being decimated. Um, what we do know is that school li schools with school librarians or school media specialists do better than other schools. You know, it's demonstrated in, the, in, in scoring. And so having school librarians is important and we, we believe in the support. So, you know, in my work as, uh, on, with the Public Library Association Board, we've been talking about this for a very long time. It just hasn't got through because everybody else has been worried about themselves. Your library has a wonderful tradition of assisting immigrants. Tell me specifically what programs do you have in place now to do so? So we're very fortunate to work with um, Global Cleveland. Global Cleveland comes into our buildings. Um, we also have um, the program with um, the refugee program that comes to the Cleveland Public Library. Uh, and what we do is they get to come in, in many cases, to learn about the city, to learn about the United States in a place that is non-threatening, right? And so. Um, immigrants have always 
kind of moved to libraries because libraries generally have like a, a, a new citizens program, a way of helping people um, to get ready for their exams and things of that nature. Just um, this summer we had a, uh, a, cer a naturalization ceremony in our library. So we're very, we, we appreciate our, our program at Global Cleveland and appreciate creepy, uh, um, continuing that long-term responsibility we have to building cultures. Hey, good afternoon, uh, Director. Hello, uh, Will. All right, this is one of the few times I see you without your trademark hat. So uh, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity to hear you, uh, from you today. Am I smarter without the hat? No. Oh. <laughs> Just say how much I appreciate it. I mean, okay. you're so well known yeah, in the community. Only a few more weeks till opening day. Okay. All right, so my question to you. Uh, in today's age, there seems as if there is a lot of skepticism when it comes to government institutions mm -hmm. and the erosion of public trust. And yet, over the years, the Cleveland Public Library has consistently uh, been a, an institution of, of trust and of accessibility. I was wondering if you could talk about how the library has been able to maintain that level of trust and what other institutions may learn from the Cleveland Public Library on how to build and maintain public trust. That's a very good question. I was talking to Dan about this earlier. So I, I, was, I just came from a meeting of the Knight Foundation, and Knight Foundation were all the Knight Ritter publishers. Uh, they, when the libraries, I mean, the, as they've gone around, they put their money into a fund, and they really support journalism and democracy. But they believe libraries are very much a part of that, so they invite us in for a day forum. And in that discussion, their president of the Knight Foundation came out um, and spoke to us ahead of time to the library folks and he said do not go down our path he said journalists got too big and thinking that they would never go away that what they did would always be needed and what we and doing that we stopped thinking about how things were going to change and said we're going to make things stay the same all the time and he says look at where we are now so he he like challenged us to always be innovative and always think through how we're moving forward. And so, but that's what libraries have been doing. Libraries have survived for this line, and when you look at institutions that have a high level of trust, this is like nationwide, libraries are at the top of the list, right? Because we continue to listen to the communities and what, we, what they need, and then we change for them, not say this is what we always will be. Well, on, uh, thank you for your remarks. Really wonderful, and it's a pleasure for you to serve on our board. We're honored to have you. Thank you. You uh, talked about the, uh, the capital project that you're undertaking uh, coming up. Of the projects, can you give us a highlight of what's going to happen? New construction, renovation, uh, all of the same. Where you planted your flag first, and when are we going to see stuff coming out of the ground? So you will start to see some things coming out of ground fairly quickly because we will be starting to do work on our Martin Luther King Library by the end of the year. Um, so that will be our first building. Yes! We're, we want to really thank our Cleveland Foundation who gave us the funding to go out and find an, uh, a nationally known architect to start doing the work on the Martin Luther King Library. And so um, that work is moving forward. And then we will start to work, and we have been doing interviews in all of our communities to hear back from them on what they want in their communities for their library. Some people have said, 
do not do anything with our library. We love our library the way it is. We just would like it to be like even better. So as one woman said, you know, don't go thinking you're going to create some Taj Mahal with my library, right? <laughs> and I said, no, we're not going to do that. She said, it's fine. Now, you could do something with that meeting room, and you could do something. So we're looking at all of those things for our, for our community, and we're really excited about the work. Uh, and so our thing now is to start having those conversations with our council and with the mayor about what does that look on our overall stretch as we go out and start really doing that work. Um, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's extensive, but we're really excited, and are pretty soon we'll be able to announce our master plan. Hi, Felton. Hello, Nancy. Uh, I'm Nancy Levin. I'm the director of the Cleveland Heights University Heights Public Library. And I'd like you to explain a little bit about um, how we all cooperate together and maybe explain a little about ClevNet for people who don't know what that is, because that is an impact that Cleveland Public Library has on, on the whole community, actually 12 counties. But if you could explain that, that would be great. Yeah, the ClevNet system is, and many of you who use our library, if you're in Shaker, you, you use a ClevNet library. Um, the Cleveland Public Library serves as the foundation for a consortium of 44 library systems. Um, going from, and I see Sandusky there, and then on the other side all the way to nearly in Pennsylvania, you know. And so what we do is to make sure that we keep costs down by, you know, coordinating how we collect books, you know, our ILS system that we use so that they're all very similar. But even the better part of it is the fact that all the libraries are on, on talking with each other about how they want to move forward with plans um, for serving communities, right? So one of the great things is us moving fine free was made a little bit easier because Cleveland Heights had gone fine free how like a year ago, right? And so when they didn't crash, we were like, well, we could do this, <laughs> right? All great learning experiences. Felton, I was fascinated when you talked about the history and back in, in at the founding of the library, the, li the books are behind a counter. And so it strikes me that the role of the librarian has changed tremendously yeah. over the last 150 years. So could you talk a little bit about that in terms of how do you attract the excellent folks that you have on staff at the library? What's the pipeline? What is the type of education and training and outlook that you're looking for for your employees? You know, and, and as we were talking a little bit about how libraries have to change, um, you know, we, it, it hasn't been easy, right? We go from a, a system in which we are transactionally based in some ways where people would come up to us and say, I'm looking for this book, and we would go get it and bring it to them, and then they would check it out to things where we're like, um, we want to solve poverty, and we want to solve issues about children being hungry. Right, and to, so we're thinking about transformation. And it's a very difficult thing to explain to staff. I mean, when I started, I had a staff member who would say to, who said to me, I didn't get into the, to being a librarian to be a lunch lady, right? But little by little, as they started to doing the work, and they started to see that the children were, who had food were, were being able to do their homework better, and really, and that they could really focus and concentrate, all of these things started changing. And so recently, we were doing our strategic um, 
um, priority were. And we asked our staff what was the number one most important thing that we did. And the, the number one thing was providing lunches for kids after school. Right? So it, that's how it's, it's a hard work. And so we've had to work from the bottom up, continuing to bring in staff members who are open to being flexible. Right? You know, it isn't, I mean, the stereotype of librarians being, you know, with the buns and all of that and shushing people and stuff like that. There was some of that, right? There's, there's a fair share of that in, in the library. But traditionally, you're starting to see the people who are coming into libraries and the library directors who are hiring people thinking very differently about the people they want in their libraries. Hello, good afternoon. Um, I first want to say um, I work in Ohio City and the Carnegie West Branch Library is an amazing asset for that community. And one of the things and one of the populations that that branch service services that you didn't mention was the homeless community. Yeah. So that's an amazing resource for all, all neighborhoods and, and I think a, a lesser known thing that libraries do. So I first want to say that. But also as you move forward, <clears throat> What are some of the things that you're doing and the library is doing to better outreach into the community to get people connected to the programs, the amazing programs that are happening there, and getting more organizations connected and able, and able to bring their resources to the libraries in their communities? That's a great question. I think one of the things that we're doing is we're starting to think differently about the work that we do. Um, it used to be we would sit behind a desk and wait for everybody to come in to us. And now it's more about how do we go into the communities and talk to people about what we do. Um, I, when you, you talked about the, kind of the homeless population, I, I just I had a, just a great experience recently. I was walking in our main building, and this gentleman stopped me, and he said, you know, I just want to thank you. And he like, started to pull his jacket aside. I was like, oh, Lord, what is going to go on? But he's, he had one of our Wi-Fi's that we've been checking out, right? He says, because of you, I'm like the star at the shelter. Because, like he said, ten now because of this, the ten people can get online using the Wi-Fi's that we're partnering with the, the foundation at Huntington Bank to provide checkouts for free Wi-Fi's. So he, he was like, he goes, and then he gave me a tin of cookies, right? <laughs> Which I don't know where they came from, but you know, but it, it, it speaks to, it's, it just speaks to the fact that you know. We, we can't make determinations about people and what they can do in their lives if we give them the opportunity. Oh, no. <laughs> I guess. Yes, sir. I, I'm still going to pay my 280. Okay. I commit. Uh, libraries, as Carrie just mentioned, libraries are public spaces. Yes. They're free, they're accessible for. Uh, knowledge for comfort, for warmth, for safety after school. Can you tell us a little bit more about your personal narrative when you were 13, the amount of time you spent in the library, what brought you in, what kept you there, and what did you personally be able to get onto this stage because of that library? Ah, that's a good question. Um, I often tell people I am still surprised I'm a librarian, right, in the sense that I have, at every juncture, somewhere along the lines, kept on saying to myself, I'm still a librarian? How did that happen? But when I was 13, you know, I was in a very 
tough neighborhood in Las Vegas, and the only safe place for me to go for my friends who started getting the gangs was go to the library. So I started going to the library every day, and the children's librarian Rex saw me, and she said, you're here every day, you should work here. And I said, okay, all right? And so I, I just stayed with working in libraries through high school and, and through college, and you know, by then, everybody looked at me as, my, as family, and I kept on thinking, I'm going to leave, I'm gonna go and get a, you know, I wanted to be a sports psychologist, and getting ready to leave, and then they were saying, Felton, you know, you're like our family. We'll pay for you to go to library school. And I said, okay, well, you know, and I was like, not even thinking I wanted to be a librarian. And then I saw on the bottom of the list was the University of Hawaii. <laughs> I said, you'll pay for me to go to the University of Hawaii for library school? They said, it's accredited. And I said, goodbye. <laughs> All right? And so I ended up going to the University of Hawaii, but I really still didn't, I came back, they gave me a job, I'm like a librarian, everything's great, and I'm still thinking, you know, is this really what I wanna do? But what changed is I got a letter from a, a young man who had been just like me. He, he started coming down to the library because it was a safe place, and he said he was away at, at school to be a teacher, and he wanted to come back, because I ended up coming back to the neighborhood that I had left, and being the librarian, head librarian there. He said, I wanna come back and be a teacher in the community just like you did. I want to give back. You gave me purpose. and You were a role model even though you didn't know it. And then I recognized what my purpose in life was. And that's how I've been a librarian ever since. Yeah, I did find, I did meet my wife too. That was like the great takeaway from, <laughs> from the University of Hawaii. I still thank those guys all the time. Oh, okay. Good afternoon. Um, as a leading institution in our community, um, you know, the conversation today talked about breaking down barriers uh. and providing opportunities for, um, you know, people of color and the immigrant community. I wanted to ask about, um, you know, like the responsibility of the Cleveland Public Library to make sure that responsible contractors are being used at their yeah. facilities. Um, you know, we, wanted, we, we want to make sure that all people have the opportunity to, um, you know, make good wages and great benefits. Yeah. And um, I wanted to kind of get your take on what, you know, you would be doing or what the, uh, library's responsibility would be in making sure that um, the contracted, um, the security particularly is, um, you know, taking advantage of the opportunities that you provide to the rest of the community in Cleveland. All right, thanks, that's a great question. I think we have a great responsibility uh, in the community as one of those institutions that um, when we make decisions, like, I mean, if we're going to touch every one of our libraries, right? Every one of our libraries and do work, that could be upwards of $100 million. We have a, a great responsibility to make sure that we're making decisions to bring in responsible contractors and people of color into that and Cleveland-based and following what you know the mayor's really wants our, our folks to do. And so we brought on recently, uh, Sadie, if you wouldn't mind standing up, Dr. Sadie Winlock. And Sadie's our Director of Diversity and Equity who's gonna be working on those specific issues for us because 
it goes beyond just contractors. It's about the services we provide. Too many times we're providing services to community and we don't know if we're being successful in, with the community that we want to be successful with. So that's a big part of what we're doing. And we want to thank Sadie for coming on and joining us uh, as we really try to kind of, you know, tie into the things that we really want to do to be successful. Um, hey, Felton. Hello, Margaret. Hi. Um, I tweeted out the news about going fine free, and it's going totally viral. <laughs> Everybody has a comment, and one of them is, uh, but how will they ensure that people do bring back the borrowed material? <laughs> and it is a good question, and, and even you were talking about those Wi-Fi devices. Yes. I mean, you do have a lot of great stuff going out there, so can you talk about that? That's a good, a good question. So fines free doesn't, I mean, uh, fines free doesn't mean you get to keep the book free, right? <laughs> so what it does mean is if you keep the book too long, we will still come find you, right? But fines free, too many young people are blocked from being able to use their card just because they have $20 in fines on their card, right? And too many adults are, are, are stopped from being able to use their library card because they have fines. The idea isn't that if you bring the books back, we should stop you forever. I mean, you know, the argument is, how do you teach people lessons about do, you know, doing that? Well, unfortunately, with too many of our folks in our communities, they learn too many lessons the hard way. And our job is not to be another burden on them. Another, our job is to make sure they have access to everything they need. Hi, Felton. Oh, OK. Hey, Jessica. Hi. So I'm excited about the fine free also because I you were standing next to me when I tried to take out uh, something at the main branch and wasn't allowed to because of my fine. You were blocked. Yeah, yeah, I was blocked. I was blocked. That's the um, way to say it. Blocked. But more importantly, I wanted to ask you about what you see the library's role in the regional conversation on racial equity and how you bring that um, to the community, but also within the library itself. Well, I think one of the things that when we talk about our mission, our mission is to be the center of learning for a diverse and inclusive community. We can do a lot more around being the convener in the city of Cleveland. We have 28 libraries, uh, libraries across the city in every neighborhood. And our job, I think, is to, in many cases, try to be that space in which these convenings happen and provide them in spaces that allow for people to really be open to having discussions that are, in many cases, honest, uh, more honest than they can have been. Today at the City Club, we've been listening to a forum with Felton Thomas, Jr., Executive Director and CEO of the Cleveland Public Library. Today's forum is the Larry and Barbara Robinson Family Foundation Forum, made possible by a generous grant from Larry and Barbara Robinson. We're grateful for their support of City Club programming. Today's forum is also part of our Local Heroes series, sponsored by Citizens Bank and Dominion Energy. We're delighted to have Brittany O'Connor from Citizens Bank and Ben Kreck and Tracy Oliver from Dominion Energy with us today. Thank you so much for your continued support of City Club programming. <laughs> Community partners for today's forum are the Jewish Federation of Cleveland and the Legal Aid Society of Cleveland. We appreciate your partnership. Lastly, we welcome guests at tables hosted by many community organizations and individuals at this very much sold out forum. 
The partners who are hosting tables are listed in today's program. We thank all of you for being here today. And that brings us to the end of today's forum. Thank you, Mr. Thomas. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This forum is now adjourned. For information on upcoming speakers or for podcasts of the City Club, go to cityclub.org. Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support of PNC and the Raskin Family Fund, with additional funding from Robert Conrad, Cleveland State University, the Chautauqua Institution, the Cleveland Clinic, and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated.